right, all right. <laughs> I can't help getting this big voice here now. I'm staring at Henry and saying, what the hell's going on, man? They're taking over. Welcome to the Michael Slate Show. Very happy to be back here again this week. And uh, that was Outer National. I don't, I don't actually, I don't identify that as much as I need to. It was Outer National with Decisions. And we've been playing that song for many, many years. And it's still every morning, every time I hear it, it still just juices me up, all right? So, welcome to the Michael Slate Show. I'm your host, Michael Slate. As you know, I hope, anyway, on today's show, we're going to be talking about COVID, the pandemic, the vaccine, and why everyone should get vaccinated. All right? That's you. You know who I'm talking to. You're sitting there. Get vaccinated. Don't mess everybody else up if you're not worried about messing yourself up. All right? At the back end of the show, for most of the show, I'll be talking with Carl Dix, a longtime revolutionary and a founding member of the uh, Revolutionary Communist Party and a frequent guest here on the Michael Slate Show. He's always uh, just a pleasure to be talking to. And Carl Dix is recently, recently spoke at Revolution Books in New York City on the COVID vaccines and why so many people are lining up with the fascists who oppose the vaccine. So that's going to be later in the show. But first, before we get any of that, there's, we've really got something very special for you. Since the beginning of the pandemic, a year and a half ago, wow, just think about that, a year and a half ago, we've been saying that people should be listening to scientists, doctors, and other care providers. So before we bring on Carl Dix to talk about the fascist pandemic, we're going to follow our own advice and listen to some of the doctors and scientists and other caregivers. The following clips are from The Conversation which was co-developed by Dr. Rhea Boyd, a pediatrician, public health advocate, and scholar. You can find them and many more on the website greaterthancovid.org. Once again, that's greaterthancovid.org. The videos are common questions or common takes on misinformation about COVID vaccines answered by scientists, doctors, and other caregivers who are all people of color. So, Let's begin with the first one. How do we know the COVID vaccines are safe by Shakita Bell, MD? When people ask me about the safety about vaccines, I try to, first of all, just explain the science. So the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines are based on mRNA technology. And there's been a lot of talk and a lot of press around, you know, is this new and is it studied and how could we possibly know if it's safe if we just developed it 18 months ago? And the reality is mRNA technology has been around for decades, almost almost 20 years. And we know that it's safe and we know that we've used it in many other um, uses, but we haven't done it specifically for coronavirus. So it is new to coronavirus, but is not new technology. And the mRNA technology is cool because you do not have to put any virus into somebody's body. You're really just putting what I call a flag, you're in injecting something into the system that your body recognizes and says, hey, what's this message uh, somebody's trying to send me? And your body reads it and says, oh, there's an infection called coronavirus. I should learn how to fight that coronavirus. And that mRNA really just gives it the instructions on how to fight it. And, and how our bodies fight infection is, is through antibodies. So we develop antibodies, which then fight the infection and prevent us from getting sick and acquiring coronavirus. And what we found is that this vaccine, through giving it to thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people, is not only is it very safe, the side, effect, the side effects of which are very, very low, but it also is very effective. All right, that was Dr. Shakita Bell. 
And next is what is in the COVID vaccines with Yvonne Maldonado, MD. So I'll just explain briefly uh, the two types of vaccines that we have available. So one is the mRNA vaccine and the other is the viral vector vaccine. Now, this mRNA technology was used to develop a very small piece of mRNA that contains the code for the spike protein on the surface of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. It's a very small piece of messenger RNA um, and it is not live. It doesn't come from human cells, from animal cells. It doesn't use any uh, live biological products. It is just pieces of, of nucleic acids that are in, in a little piece. Um, and they are covered by a fat bu a bubble. And they are so fragile that they need this fat bubble to keep them stable. So they will fall apart if they're not in this little fat bubble. And um, that's what's injected into the arm. So it's using your own body's machinery to make little pieces of what looks like the spike protein from the virus, but it's not made from the virus at all. And then the immune system recognizes those spike proteins and develops immunity to that. So when you see the actual live virus, uh, your body recognizes it right away and destroys the virus. So it never has access to your DNA. Um, and, and same thing with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. It is made from a, an inactivated uh, viral vector. So all it makes is protein that looks like the spike protein from the virus. Nothing gets into your uh, DNA. Those virus vectors have been certified by the FDA. They've been test tested extensively, and they do not get into your human DNA at all. And next... Uh, now, here's the thing. I'm, and I'm not worried about getting COVID. Why should I get vaccinated? That's what a lot of people are saying, right? Well, this is featuring Noha Abaleta, MD, telling us why the hell you should be concerned. All right, so check this out. Very few people are at literally no risk of getting COVID. If you are completely shut in your home and literally no one ever comes to your home and you literally never leave and you decontaminate everything before you bring it in your house, maybe you're not at any risk of COVID-19. And so maybe if you're deciding that that's what you're going to do forever. But I think, let's face it, that's not what most people are dealing with. A lot of the people that test positive aren't quite sure where they got it. Um, they thought they were following most of the guidelines, uh, but they got it anyway. And so anyone who says, I'm not worried about getting COVID-19, I think needs to really be honest and take a hard look at why are you not worried about getting COVID-19? And are you basing that on real factual information? Because this virus is so contagious, it is rather easy to pick up and it is spreading pretty rapidly through households and through workplaces. And so I think most of us should be pretty concerned about potentially getting COVID-19. All right. And next, I'm uh, if I'm not worried about getting COVID, why should I get vaccinated? Featuring Noha Abaleta, MD. Typically, when I'm going to give the COVID vaccine, I'll let them know. When you're going to get the first dose of the COVID vaccine, you might feel your arm very sore. It's like somebody punched you in the arm, and that's that type of a soreness. If you've ever gotten a tetanus shot, it feels like a tetanus shot. Your arm is sore probably for the rest of the day, but again, 
Keep moving it around. Do everything that you normally do because it'll be like a sore muscle. You still want to be able to move it and get that vaccine going. You want the medication to be able to absorb and disseminate. So it's good for you to continue to move that arm around. If you start to feel achy, like minor body aches, if you notice that you have a fever, you can take some Tylenol if you'd like. If you notice that you have a fever, if you have minor body aches, rest, drink plenty of fluids. When you get the second dose, that's typically when you tend to have some or more of the signs and symptoms of the side effects, like the body aches, the headache. Um, you might have a fever, maybe, maybe not. Again, everybody's very different, and the way your body reacts to medication is very differently. For me personally, it was the second dose where I had the body aches, but I was still able to work. I did the 12-hour shift, and I had no problem being able to do that, and I didn't have to take anything. But again, we all feel differently. Our bodies are different and we react differently. So it just depends your comfort level. For me, I didn't need to use anything, but if you need to, you can take Tylenol. And what you need to know about the COVID vaccines and new variants. All right, that's what we're talking about now um, with Lisa Fitzgerald, MD, and Stefan Wallace, PhD. So let's go on down the line with that. I know it sounds very scary, but first you have to understand how viruses work. Viruses, in order to infect a person and make them sick, the viruses have to copy themselves. And when the viruses make copies of themselves, they make mistakes. And that's all a mutation is. It's a mistake when the virus copies itself. Viruses do what viruses do, and that is to sort of replicate and as part of that replication process they don't it doesn't always do it perfectly uh, you know viruses want to survive so <laughs> by any means necessary they're going to work to do that so what we need to be concerned about is when they when they make mistakes when they're being copied are they making a mistake that will affect the performance of the vaccine i think it's really important that our communities understand that we're expecting to see some some variants pop up and that the variants that we're seeing are being actively tested against the vaccines as they come out. And what we know right now, even from studies, especially in the Johnson & Johnson study, that tested the vaccine against these variants or these mutations, even with the mutations present, it has been shown to prevent death and keep people out of the hospital. All of the vaccines that are currently under emergency use authorization would work really well to protect people from getting seriously sick and, and ending up in the hospital and potentially dying. This is a new emerging, you know, situation for all of us. And so we're constantly learning new things as we move along. So as long as coronavirus is out in the community and it's copying itself, it can be mutating. But this is the reason people need to get vaccinated so that we can stop the spread of coronavirus and end the pandemic. It's really important that our communities are vaccinated as soon as possible to slow down the spread of the virus and to avert the opportunity for other variants of the virus to, to appear. The greater race is to avert additional hospitalizations and deaths. And finally, what if I still have questions about the COVID vaccines? We hear from clinical researcher Orlando Harris, PhD, 
master's degree in public health. Got to hear this one. Check it out. Trust the science. Um, you know, listen to the scientists. Listen to, uh, um, you know, experts like Dr. Fauci. Um, talk to your provider, um, you know, to get more information. I think the, the biggest concern, like I mentioned earlier, is to uh, counter disinformation. I myself, as just a regular person with um, a, 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 a comfortable social network, I've had friends who reached, friends who are other black men who have reached out to me um, with screenshots of a story or a link of a story that they saw. You know, a, a friend of mine sent me a message and he said, you know, I'm not interested in getting a vaccine uh, because um, a friend of mine just recently got it and he's been sick for two weeks. And, you know, he has all these symptoms, et cetera, et cetera. And so I now have to take off my clinician researcher hat and just talk to him as a friend to say, okay, what are his symptoms? What is he experiencing? And why you think this is attributed to the vaccine? And let's have a conversation about that. So, I, you know, even as a, uh, as a uh, clinician researcher, I still have friends who have a lot of um, uh, uh, misinformation that I'm, I need to help clean up. And so having those conversations of, um, have been actually frustrating but helpful because it gives me an insight into you know, the type of information that's out there and what they're thinking. All right, those are the answers to common questions about the COVID vaccines from the website greaterthancovid.org. Once again, that's greaterthancovid.org. All right, now I am very pleased to be bringing back to the show someone who is a long supporter of the show. He's also a good friend, Carl Dix. Carl, and he's a revolutionary who just, I mean, he, he just kicks it straight up, doesn't lie, doesn't sugarcoat things, tells us what's going on, all right? This is, this is extremely, extremely important for people to understand. And when you think about this, you know, we need more. We need more of Carl. We need more of people like Carl. We need all kinds of people standing up and thinking that they, uh, we can't just sit back and say, oh, hope it doesn't happen to me, or maybe it'll only happen to me and I'll be, I'll be safe and other people, you know, well, they should be out there for themselves. Carl, welcome to the show. Uh, thank you for having me on, Michael. Yeah. Now, I, you know, this is, this is kind of a, it's kind of a, it's, it's, I know that this, you know, we talked about having this on, having you on the show and doing this for, um, over the last couple days. And, uh, I was kind of thinking that this is, this is actually, um, this is actually really important. It's really important when we're talking about, you know, basically what's happening in society, what's going on. And this is, this is one of those times I think in, in the society where big, big, big questions are up for grabs and, and, and actually what's going to happen, what's going to happen with people, what, 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 what are people going to be de dealing with, you know? So I'm thinking about that. And that was one of the reasons why I really wanted to get you onto the show because you're pretty damn good on that. All right. And you know, I don't, I don't, I don't praise very easily. Right? <laughs> um, but I anyway, know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's, let's jump into this. You know, why do you think it's important for people to get vaccinated? You know, a lot of people are saying, 
wait a minute, you know, vaccinated, I, I'll stay in my house. My friends are all clean. I don't have to, I mean, literally, I've heard people saying this. My friends are all clean. Oh, yeah, really? Um, but what, what does that have to do with anything, you know? And you're thinking about this. Why is it important for people to get vaccinated? Or what happens when they don't get vaccinated? Okay, I mean, people just need to step back and look at the bigger picture. More than 4 million people around the world have died from COVID, and that's the reported deaths. Many millions more have been infected by it. You look into this country, and it's, what, 400,000-plus people have died from COVID. Millions of people have been infected. This is a worldwide phenomenon. It's a disease that is that can be spread from person to person airborne. If you allow it to fester, it can mutate, as one of the doctors was talking about in the earlier part of your show, and become different, and in that way harder to combat. So that's what we're dealing with, and one of the most effective means of dealing with it is to get vaccinated, get this shot or two shots that make it possible for your body to resist being infected, and even if you do get infected, to ensure that you don't have a serious case that requires hospitalization or could even kill you. And this isn't just important for the person to be vaccinated, the, the individual getting the vaccination. It's important for the society because you don't get vaccinated you're putting yourself at risk, you're putting those around you at risk, and you're putting those you may come in contact with throughout society at risk from this disease, which we already know is a killer. And, you know, you can say, well, look, my friends are cool. I only hang around with my friends. Well, actually, have you tracked everybody that your friends have come into contact with in their life? going through the world, who they might, you know, if you're in a city with a transit system, do they go on the transit system? Could they have picked up something there? Do they go to work? Do they go to a restaurant? There are lots of ways that people come in contact with this. And if many, many more people got vaccinated, that would lessen the ability of the virus to go from person to person and infect new people. And even where it breaks through in those breakthrough COVIDs where vaccinated people can get infected, it resists, it lessens the ability of the virus to do serious damage. So that's what we're talking about. And it does have to be looked at, not from yourself out, but looked at from society. One thing that people in this country need to do is look at the fact that around the world there are people who don't even have access to this. And one of the things that's got to happen is that many more doses of the virus need to be uh, produced and they need to be made accessible around the world. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's going to take to get this thing under control and not have it be something that is running amok and disrupting all kinds of aspects of society. Mm -hmm. 
You know, Carl, I, w- I want to make it. I want to make it clear to people that we're talking to Carl Dix right now. And Carl, I just you know, because I think what you're saying is so important. I want people to know what we do normally do on air. And I was so excited to get get you here to talk about this. I didn't tell people who the hell you are. Carl Dix, a, a longtime revolutionary and a founding member of the Revolutionary Communist Party and a frequent guest here on the Michael Slate Show. Now, you know, Carl, you know, you you did speak about, um, you know, the, 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 the this this situation at Revolution Books in New York City on the uh, COVID vaccine vaccines and uh, why so many people are lining up with the, the fascists who basically who oppose the vaccine. So, you know, and that's something I think we really need to get in, into. You, when, when you look at it right now, 675,000 dead in the U.S. alone. You think about that. I mean, what 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 does that bring to us? What does it say to us about what's happening? Well, it says that this is a health crisis. It's an epidemic, and they call it a pandemic because it goes around the world, because today's world is so interknit that if the virus is able to spread and flourish anywhere, it can spread throughout the globe. But that's what we're up against. That's what we're dealing with. I wanted to let people know that that uh, program that we did at Revolution Books, we did it on the we I, I based my participation in it on a pamphlet with three articles of articles by Bob Avakian, the revolutionary leader and the leader who forged the new communism, the leader that I follow and whose new communism, new synthesis of communism I promote, three articles that he did on the COVID pandemic, and especially one titled, Vaccines Are Decisive Means for Dealing with COVID. They are not a conspiracy or a plot by the government and big corporations. And look, that's important because that's what's got a lot of people lining up with these fascists who are opponents of every measure you could as, that has been developed to try to get the COVID virus under control. Like when they came up with masking and social distance, they said, oh, you can't force us to do that. That's crazy. Some of them even said wearing a mask made you more likely to catch COVID, which is about the most ridiculous thing you could think of. But that didn't stop them from pushing it out. And then when the vaccines were produced, they opposed the vaccines. And there are two things that get people into this. One is conspiracy thinking and thinking that COVID and then the vaccines for COVID are some secret sinister plot by the government, by big corporations or other nefarious forces that are using them to maybe try to kill off certain sections of people, uh, to control people, using the vaccine to track people. And people need to step back and look at this. If it was the case, first off on this thing, they're using it to track people. They don't need the vaccine to track people. They don't need to inject you with something so they can follow you around. They can follow you by your doggone cell phone. That's that, that gives them an ability to track you. They can track your credit card and debit card transactions. 
So let's just be real. But let's look at this. If these vaccines or this virus were actually a government plot, how many people would have to be in on it? You know, it's not like a few people could have done this and then pushed it out. They'd have to have scientists around the world who are collaborating on this. They'd have to have medical people, and not just a few, but a whole lot of them who are collaborating in this. Your, your regular doctor would have to be in on this thing, because that's how widespread the information around this is and the understanding of it. Because we, we, when we did this panel at Revolution Books, we had an emergency room doctor, head of an emergency department. We had a doctor who ran a, a neighborhood clinic dealing with, uh, in Harlem, dealing with the health care needs of people who usually are outside of the ability to access medicine in the, in the system, they would have to be in on this. They would have to be in on, I'm going to spread lies to the people who come into my clinic or come into my emergency department. That's what this would have to be. That's not real. That's not possible. We need to get down on that. And look, there are reasons to be skeptical about this government and what it does to people here and around the world, including on the front of health. There are reasons for that, and we can talk more about that in a minute. But where should you go with that skepticism? And you should not go to, I read something on the Internet about this being a plot, so I'm going to go with that. That's not research. That's not investigation. That's being taken in by something that is at best anecdotal, what might even be the actual plot. Somebody trying to suck you in on that. You need to look at evidence. You need to look at reality and see what's happening. And what's happening is that large numbers of people are getting, are dying from this disease. Larger numbers are getting sick. There have been mutations, further developments of the disease that have us, Many states around the country here in this country are having higher death rates from COVID than they had last year at what we thought was the height of the pandemic. And at various points, Biden and others have said, well, we're getting around the curve on it. And then all of a sudden the death rates are back up. This is what's actually happening. This is what reality is. And then you need to look at you know, because one thing that people will cite, especially black people will cite this, is the Tuskegee experiment back in the uh, 1930s or 40s. The U.S. government gathered some black men who were suffering from syphilis and did a study of them. And at the time they created this study, there was no cure for syphilis. And they were going to track these people, see how syphilis spread among their partners, see how it spread in their families, what impact did it have. Then partway through this study, the cure for syphilis was developed. 
but the government did not let these men know that the cure for their disease existed and tracked it out into the 1970s, at which point most of these people had died, some of their partners had died, and but they kept that medicine from them. So that's a reason, and we could also talk about the sterilization of one-third of the women of childbearing age in Puerto Rico. So the reasons to be skeptical, but that skepticism has to take you to being scientific, looking at evidence. And here we have a situation with these vaccines where there is a disease that's killing people, huge numbers of people, and the government has worked together with scientists in this country and around the world to develop a vaccine for that disease. They're not withholding that from people. They're actually offering it, and a section of the government, a section of the forces that run this country, are encouraging people to take this vaccine. They're not hiding it from them. They're encouraging them to take it. And I don't know the exact numbers, but it's more than 100 million people have taken it. So that makes it kind of clear that this is not something that's aimed at killing people off. Because a capitalist imperialist system cannot function through killing most of the people in that particular country off. So this is not a targeted effort to exterminate black people or other oppressed nationalities or Jewish people or whatever. This is an attempt by the system to try to get control of a, a disease that has disrupted its entire setup. It's forced the closure of economies around the world, from China to Europe to the United States. Capitalist imperialists don't shut down their economies lightly. That does not help them function. And the other thing is it has raised for a lot of people the ability of this system, this capitalist imperialist system, to actually work in their interest and meet their needs. And it's shaken the faith of people in the system. And that's not something a capitalist imperialist system wants to see happen. Mm -hmm. They want people to have faith in their function, their ability to function, their ability to, to keep the lights on, to keep these other things happening, keep food being produced and, and distributed. And, you know, so, you know, Carl, it's, it's, an, it's an interesting point because, you know, I, I used to work in VD clinics in Harlem and a long time ago, you know, and I was just a kid who had been, I, I, wanted, I was a writer, but I also had gotten a degree in biology. And so I, you know, I, I found, I was asked to um, join these clinics in Harlem. And one of the things that happened that really kind of just poked, you know, it just opened my eyes and poked them to see what was going on because there were so many people who wanted to do good in those in those clinics, but they also ended up just going along with the with the with the with the basically with the way things are have always been is what is what they would say, you know the idea that you know you could go you could go into a clinic and you could just they didn't even care they didn't they, at that point they didn't give a damn about whether somebody had a venereal disease whether they had you know whatever it was this it was just like give them a, give them a quick shot and that's it let them let them go and i kept thinking about that in relation to this you know when you're talking about the tuskegee syphilis experiment this was actually even though it wasn't that syphilis experiment there was an element of it that really just you know because i i remember seeing people who came into the clinic who were finally you know 
cajoled by their family or, or forced by their family to go to a clinic and get treated. And they have been doing things like cutting themselves, um, you know, and wherever the, 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 the sores were showing up, they were cutting themselves and then rubbing dirt into it or glass or things like that. And they, would, they, would, they actually thought that that was what was going, going on. And that was being spread widespread throughout. And this, this was mainly in Harlem and in the South Bronx. And, you know, to see the people, to see the, 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 the horrifying things that were being done, and then at the same time, the recognizing that's even worse is that there is no element of let's get into this and teach people what's wrong. What should we be doing? Why is this not a good, why is this not just a, oh, well, it happened again, just go get, just run down and get a shot or something. This is actually, this is a very serious development. And it could be something that's really, I mean, it's really, really dangerous for, you know, an entire population of people. Yeah. And your Harlem South Bronx example was before there was an internet. Now we've got the internet and it's the misinformation and the lies and the wrong thinking can be spread much more broadly. And then you get something like Nicki Minaj doing a post on Twitter about a friend of her cousin in Trinidad whose testicles swelled up upon getting the virus. And then that anecdote then becomes a Trump card that trumps the scientific research of thousands and thousands of scientists and doctors all around the world. And that's what I mean by the conspiracy thinking. People have to actually get scientific, actually have to look at how many people have been vaccinated. Where is, is there some widespread thing of people's testicles swelling up or not? And the reality is, no, that's not happening is it the case that people get vaccinated and they still get COVID in the same numbers as unvaccinated people? No, that isn't true. In, one, in a certain sense, this pandemic is now becoming a pandemic of the unvaccinated people because when people look at the numbers of people who die, they are disproportionately unvaccinated people. And then you deal with the fact that some of this conspiracy thinking kind of stuff that has people resisting the vaccine is heavy among black people, is heavy among Latino people, other oppressed people. And that these are people who have been disproportionately getting sick from COVID and dying from COVID because of the inequality in the access to health care that exists in this society. And then it gets underscored by the fact that the people who really promote some of the stuff that leads to this hesitancy around the vaccine are people who are fairly clear about how they view black people, how they view immigrants, how they view Latinos, in the sense that they view them as subhuman, are acting to take away their basic rights, want to lock them up and even kill them off. And you should not be lining up with people who have that stance on you overall. What makes you think that if they want to take away your voting rights, if they think you should be in prison, if they think you should be killed off, what makes you think that they're going to be saying something 
about the vaccines that would be good for you. People need to really think about that. There's one other thing that has people lining up with this, and that's a rampant, toxic individualism that is rife in capitalist imperialist societies, and it's big here in the U.S. People saying, I got my rights, nobody can tell me what to do, I can't be forced to take this vaccine, I can't be forced to put on a mask. And see, this is just, it's just wrong. I mean, let's actually look at it. What are these people asserting when they talk about their rights to not get vaccinated, their rights to not wear masks and all like this? They are actually asserting a right to potentially infect people with a deadly disease. That's what that comes down to. And look, no society could function based upon absolute individual right. And not only, and I didn't say should function, I said could not function on the basis of absolute individual right. Because, oh, you can do whatever you want, but what if you decide you want to punch me in the nose? Does that mean you have a right to punch me in the nose? You know, and what about my right not to get punched in the nose? It collides. You can't have absolute individual rights. What you have to do is you have to evaluate things based upon is it good for society or not. And frankly, it is good for society if people get vaccinated. So a vaccination mandate or saying if you want to go to the gym and work out, if you want to go to the concert, to the theater, and function in a lot of other ways, you can do that if you're vaccinated. It's not taking away your right. It is actually taking steps to protect the rest of society against this disease that is running rampant and is killing people and having people suffer. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, that's what that actually comes down to. Mm-hmm. Carl, we're going to hold on for a minute. I, we have a, basically... There's a need to go to a break right now and uh, then come okay. back to you. So we'll be back in, in very shortly. Okay, so I'll be gonna, here. All right, great. We're going to hear the, we're going to hear it now. On our show, we've interviewed activists with the International Emergency Campaign to free Iran's political prisoners a number of times. And today, I want to let everyone know about two very important upcoming events the campaign is organizing to advance the urgent struggle to free Iran's political prisoners. First, on Tuesday, September 21st at 1 p.m., the Emergency Campaign, or IEC, will hold a Free Iran's Political Prisoners Now press conference and speak out right outside the United Nations in New York City at East 47th Street and 1st Avenue as Iran's President Ibrahim Raisi addresses the U.N. General Assembly. Raisi was directly responsible for the mass execution of thousands of political prisoners and other grave crimes. The press conference will condemn the Islamic Republic of Iran's vicious illegitimate repression, hear statements from the relatives of political prisoners, and demand of Iran free all political prisoners now. And very importantly, it will demand of the U.S. no war moves or sanctions on Iran. Then, on Saturday, September 25th at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, Revolution Books New York and the IEC will co-sponsor Heroism for Our Times, Free Iran's Political Prisoners Now, an afternoon of solidarity and resistance. 
At this program, Mariam Claren, the daughter of Iranian political prisoner Nahid Tagabi, Kave Milani of the Burn the Cage, Free the Birds movement, Raymond Lada of Revolution Books, and others will expose the latest outrages in the Iranian regime's brutal crackdown, as well as the courageous resistance to it. And they will explore how to carry forward the worldwide struggle to free Iran's political prisoners and why it's so important for humanity. This event will take place at 4737 Malcolm X Boulevard and 132nd Street in Harlem, and will also be live streamed online. For further details about this program, including how to watch online, as well as the September 21st press conference, go to the IEC's website, and that's www.freeiranspoliticalprisonersnow.org, or to revolutionbooksnewyorkcity.org. You can also call the bookstore at 212-691-3345. Once again, that's 212-691-3345. And as always, you can find the links on my social media. So I strongly encourage everyone to go online and find out more. Spread the word about these important actions and tune into the September 25th program. song, something I listened to, I don't know how long, how many years. I think I discovered it a way long time ago uh, and have never been able to give it up. It's just a very powerful, very powerful song. No, I you wish... shouldn't give it up. I'm not going to give it up, Carl. <laughs> All right. All right, man. All right. So again, that was uh, Nina Simone with I Wish I Knew What It Feels to be Like to Be Free. Now, Carl, let's jump back into this because... You know, there's a lot of stuff that goes on, a lot of stuff that happens that people just don't understand. Like you started to talk about Nicki Minaj, and then there's this whole thing. You know, she wasn't, she's not just a, a you know, a, a chucklehead. You know, she actually, she got, uh, she's put out a lot of stuff, a lot of dangerous stuff. But she also, she got major support from the fascist, white supremacist Tucker Carlson. And she actually shared one of his reports on, uh, on social media. What's going on with this? What do we think? What are people thinking about in relation to this? You know, what what what's happening here? People are being unscientific. They're not looking at the actual reality, digging into the evidence to see what's actually happening. And and look, in the case of Nicki Minaj, she shared the report because this guy was supporting her anecdote about the guy getting swollen, the, her second or third hand reporting about some guy testicle swelling from this. And 
for that reason, she's like, okay, well, this guy is backing me up on this. I'm going to spread what he has to say, not looking at what are you spreading. That would be like some sharecroppers in the South in the late 19th century, early 20th century, spreading Ku Klux Klan material because they thought some Klansmen had done them a solid, you know, no good. These people have your worst interest at heart. They want to grind you up. They want to crush you. And lining up with them on this is not something that's going to be helpful for you or anybody else, but is going to be dangerous for humanity. And that's what this is because these fascists want to, do everything they can to oppose getting this COVID pandemic under control. They're doing that because it's a part of how they, there's what they see as their road to getting consult, getting a hold on power and consolidating it, getting back into the white house. They've already got fascists all over the courts. They've got a lot of fascists in Congress. This is what they're trying to do. And this COVID disinformation and lies that they're putting out is a part of doing that. And people need to figure that out and go to the reality on COVID and see that what they're saying is lies and disinformation and not get caught up in it and not get with it. Because look, normally it would be in the interest of the capitalist imperialist forces who run a society to get a health crisis like this under control because of the disruptive way that it's impacting the functioning of the economy and the society as a whole, and the way that it's posing questions for people who used to have faith in the system. But this isn't a normal time. This is a time when at the very top of society, there are super intense divisions in the ruling class and they're fighting these out with each side trying to see to it that their program for how they keep this capitalist imperialist system in effect wins out and goes forward. Now, neither of those forces, you know, cause neither the fascist grouped in the Republican party or the regular imperialist grouped in the democratic party have the interest of humanity at heart when they go about these things. But in this case, the fact that the regular imperialists, Biden and the Democrats, want to try to control the pandemic means that there is a, an overlap, a bit of an overlap with what would be actually good for society and humanity, because we want to get this under control. And people shouldn't be thrown off by, oh, well, it's the drug companies trying to make money. That's what these vaccines are. Well, this is a capitalist imperialist society and everything that happens in it goes through the filter of making profit. So you can't say, well, because profit might be made off of these vaccines, they're no good. No, you actually have to say, are these vaccines playing a good role or a bad role apart from whether Pfizer or Moderna is making money off of it or Johnson and Johnson. 
that's how you got to get, you actually have to get into the reality and dig into it. And here's the other thing you got to get out of the reality that this clash at the top of society is actually creating a very important opening that people who hate what this system does need to recognize and to seize on. Because in another recent article by Bob Avakian, this is a rare time when revolution becomes possible, why that is so and how to seize on this rare opportunity. And these articles by Avakian that I'm talking about are accessible at uh, the website revcom.us. People should really check them out. He points out in this Rare Times piece that this infighting at the top of society is bringing into being a situation where the factors that are necessary for revolution to become possible could be brought into being. And people need to recognize that and seize on it. They need to know that there's a force that's actually working to do that, a movement for an actual revolution led by Bob Avakian, the revolutionary leader that I follow. And people need to dig into that, check out what it has to say, and they need to get with it. And again, they can do that by going to the website revcom.us. They can also do it by uh, watching the Revolution Nothing Less show which is a weekly show put on by the RevComs on YouTube, premieres every Thursday at 5 o'clock Pacific time, 8 o'clock East Coast time. And people need to dig into this. It gets into, it actually has done quite a bit of coverage on that show on the COVID crisis and the battle over the vaccines, as well as everything else that's happening, the attack on a woman's right to abortion, the significance of the U.S. defeat in Afghanistan, the attack on voting rights. You want to know what's going on and where the interests of humanity lie in it? You need to check out the Revolution Nothing Less show, and you need to go on to RevCon. All right, Carl, you know, we have very, very, we have like maybe, <laughs> what, maybe six minutes, five, you know, eight minutes, ten, something like that. Or uh, we could squeeze up maybe a little bit more. But I want to find I want to find out some more on this because you know the, this this other side of things where BA recently wrote that this is a rare time and how the profound bitter divisions within the ruling class are deepening the crisis and what's the way forward out of this madness, you know. And I'm wondering, you know, you know, you're talking about different groups, you're talking about you know all this other stuff. Where are we at, man? What you know? What do we do now to get organized to get rid of this system and 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 bring about a whole different world? Because this is the thing for a lot of people. They're wrestling with this, like, what do we do to get out of this? And that, that last sentence is what I think we do have to do to get, you know, to change things basically in a way that's necessary, or humanity and the planet could just roll over and die. Where do we go? Where do we go with this? How, do we, how are we going to, you know, get organized, get rid of the system, you know, bring about a whole different world? That's what you're actually doing, aiming for. And we have, like, maybe seven minutes to do this, so can you just give us a brief thing okay yeah i'll give you the short story on this and <laughs> i could even boil it down to a slogan when the revolution club marches out in the streets one of the things that they chant is how do we get out of this mess revolution nothing less and that's more than just a slogan it's based upon some basic facts 
One of them is that we live in a capitalist imperialist system that is based upon the exploitation of the great majority of humanity. Savage exploitation, child labor, people being cast aside to starve if they can't be profitably exploited by these capitalist imperialists. This is how this system works. This system cannot be reformed into something that would meet the interest of humanity, that would work to meet the needs of the people here in this country or around the world. It just don't happen. It don't work like that. These horrors that it perpetrates, the destruction of the environment of the very planet that we live on, the attacks on women's rights, savage oppression of black people and other oppressed people, what happens to immigrants in this country and around the world, immigrants and refugees. All of this is built into the nature of this system. To get rid of that, to deal with it, is going to take an actual revolution. And when I say revolution, I don't mean abolitionism or we're abolishing the police, we're going to defund the police. Because, look, the police are nothing more than the frontline enforcers for the capitalist imperialist system. They're out there doing what this system has them out there to do and needs them to do. You're not going to get this system to abolish its frontline enforcers. You've got to get rid of the system that has the frontline enforcers out there. And that's what a real revolution would do. It would be millions of people rising up to overthrow this system, to get rid of it, meeting and defeating its institutions of violence, oppression, and going on to build a totally different and far better system, a system that's based on a socialist economy, that's in transition to a full classless world, a communist world. That's what we need, a setup where the means to create wealth, the factories, the farms, the mines, and all the rest aren't in the hands of a few people who monopolize the wealth and also monopolize the power and the ability to legitimately use force in society. That has to become the common property of all of the people. And then we need to direct it to work in ways that meet the needs of the people, not ways that will make the most profit for a handful of rich exploiters, but ways to meet the needs of people. That's what's needed. That's what we got to do. And as I said before, there's a force that's working on it, a movement for an actual revolution. We've got the leadership we need in Bob Avakian to do that. We've got a vision of the future society we could bring into being in the Constitution for a new socialist republic in North America, which is authored by Bob Avakian. And we've got a strategy for that, how, why we actually need a revolution and how you could really make revolution. That's something that Avakian has spoken to, we've issued publications on that, and these talks and publications are available on the website revcom.us. And we are moving now to calling on people to get organized into a movement for a real revolution. There's a declaration and call that people need to get with to check out what it has to say and to get organized into this movement. Uh, they can get with the Revolution Club, again, through the website, revcom.us, which is on the front edge, the cutting edge of this movement. And 
frankly, is going to be taking to the streets October 2nd. There is a Break the Chains contingent that the Revolution Club is working to mobilize as part of the October 2nd nationwide marches against the attack on a woman's right to abortion. And people need to check out this Break the Chains contingent and be part of it and be part of spreading a message that we need to break the chains of oppression this society brings down on women and unleash the fury of women as a mighty force for revolution. So, look, people need to get with this movement for an actual revolution. Uh, There are revolution clubs in New York, San Francisco, Chicago, oh, and Los Angeles. (laughs) (laughs) And other places. But I know those four. (laughs) And you can, again, go through revcom.us, get connected with the Revolution Club, and get involved in its activity on a virtual level wherever you happen to be. So, and this is the time to do it because we can't sleep on a situation where there's chaos and vulnerability being caused in the system by the infighting between, you know, the fascist forces and the forces grouped around the Democrats who are more your regular capitalist imperialists because nothing good for humanity is going to come out of that. It's not like the Democrats are going to take care of us or they're going to build a better society, one that is a little less exploitive and oppressive. That's not what we need to be aiming for, and you won't get it anyway. We need to be aiming to take seize this opportunity to get rid of a system that's based on exploitation and oppression. All right, Carl, I want to thank you very much for joining us today, and we look forward to having you back again, man. Okay, thanks for having me on, Mike. Sure, take care now. All right, that was Carl Dix, and uh, this is Michael Slate, and I want to thank all of my, all of the people that came in today. I want to thank Henry Carson. I want to thank Kiana, just to say thank you. And all right, and we'll talk to you again next week. And it's really beautiful with Nita Simone. So let's just hear a little bit of that, and I'm out of here. I'll talk to you again next week. I wish I could say all the things that I should say. Say I'm loud, say I'm clear For the whole round world to hear I wish I could share All the love that's in my heart Remove